The Trouble with Transformation, a serialized podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 38, Hurtling into the Haze. By the time Mr. Bell rejoined us, Bruce had already loaded the cars. Betty, Danny and I sat waiting in the back seat of the Sunbeam Talbot, all showered and dressed in our school uniforms. I lifted my eyes and gave Mr. Bell a nonchalant shrug but underneath my skin, my nerves were thrumming. I needed to keep moving, to get on the road. Daddy's on the phone, Betty explained to Mr B. Mama's got a lot to say about you taking the machine and burning the blueprints. I could hear her from outside Daddy's office. Yes, I'm quite certain she does, Mr B said, with a vague smile. He strolled around to the back of the car he'd picked up the previous evening another silver VW. He popped the boot and held up a wooden box. I take it the matter machine is in here, Bruce. Bruce strolled over and tapped the lid. Sure is, he said, breaking into a broad, friendly grin. Mr B's lips slowly parted in a measured smile. I appreciate you loading it into the car for me. Very kind. He turned to us, bending so he was eye-level with our position in the back seat. I hope you won't take offence, but do you mind if I open the lid and check it? I trust you all, of course, he said, looking pointedly at me, but I should make sure I've got all the components. My pulse kicked up a notch, but I wasn't going to let it show in my face. I looked Mr Bell in the eye and shrugged. Go right ahead. We've got nothing to hide. Right, Dad? Danny gave an airy wave and nodded. I sat perfectly still, holding my breath as Mr B lifted off the lid, removed the keyboard resting on top of the machine, and proceeded to examine the outside casing. He tapped and poked and prodded. He kept poking and tapping and prodding. My heart hammered in time with the rhythm. Finally, I popped my seatbelt and crawled over Betty to reach the door. Mr Bell, I said stepping out of the car. How could you even dream we'd try to pull a Swifty on you? And what would it be the point of trying to hold on to a machine that doesn't work? The science fair's in a few hours. At this rate, we'll miss that too. Haven't you shattered enough dreams for one day? Before Mr Bell could reply, Mr Jansen strode into the garage. Right, folks, he boomed. Let's get this show on the road. He looked from Mr Bell's face to mine tension crackling between us like a defective power line. Then he clapped his hands, shooing the three of us towards our separate cars like a flock of geese. Come on now, there's no time to waste. I thought you'd all be buckled up by now with Bruce revving the engine. Instead, you're having a little feeling circle. Now see here, Mr Bell began. Mr Jansen cut him off. Good luck with your journey, Bell. I'm truly disappointed that we didn't get more time with that machine. We could have fired it up eventually, I'm sure of it. But all in the name of public security, hey? He slapped his knee. The sound echoed off the garage walls like a thunderclap. Right, we'd best be off. He strapped himself into the front seat and said, OK then, Bruce, we're a smidge behind schedule, but I know you can make it up. Let's give Freya some lead and let her kick up her heels a bit. Remember, Belle? Mr J called out the window to Mr Bell. 
Bruce gunned Freya's engine, almost drowning out his booming voice. Drive towards the garage at full speed. If you hesitate, the door will freeze up and you'll crash into the concrete. Yeah! He cried as Bruce took his foot off the brake and the car propelled at a maddening speed toward the heavy concrete wall. The wall swung open just as the car was about to nosedive into it. As we barreled out into the open, I grinned at Danny and said, It's so not fair, you got to do this way more than me. Danny, pale but smiling, replied, I still nearly pee my pants every time. He shouted to Mr J, fighting to be heard above the rumble of the engine. Is that true? If Mr Bell pauses, he'll crash into the wall. Mr J roared with laughter. Of course not. But did you see the look on his face? Small price to pay for burning those precious notebooks, if you ask me. The purple turbo button gleamed tantalisingly from its snug spot between Mr J and Bruce's elbow. Every so often, Mr J's fingers would drift in its direction, but Bruce would warn him off with a back flick of his hand. I had to smile. It reminded me of all those times when I was little, visiting you in your studio, running around, turning dials, pressing buttons. With all your flashing panels, I thought you must be so important. Ha! Little did I know. Swatting Mr Jansen away for a third time, Bruce said with a laugh, Mate, you're as bad as your daughter. We've had this conversation. There's only one rule while I'm driving. My turbo, my timings. She's making good headway. Mr J replied, a little petulantly. I just wanted to give it a go while we're on the back roads. We won't get another chance once we hit the freeway and all the speed traps. Bruce grinned. Relax, mate. Have I ever let you down? I looked through the front windscreen at the blur of road disappearing beneath us. Only 20 minutes ago, the landscape had been flat and burnt orange, with only the very occasional tufty grass dotting here and there. Now there was more colour coming into view, grevilleas and bottle brush, the occasional lily-pilly. The outside swirl of dust was too thick to dare open a window, but nevertheless, when I tilted my nose up and breathed deep, my lungs burned with the vinegary tang of Mr J's fermented fuel. The effect was almost as reassuring as standing at the water's edge and taking in the ocean air. That was good thinking back there, switching the machines, Danny said to me, one eye on Mr J and Bruce to check they weren't listening. He didn't have to worry. His voice was barely audible above the engine. Yeah, I said, breaking into a grin. It was touch and go for a moment, though. It's just lucky your experiment used the same casing as Terry's machine. No luck in it, really. Mr J and I made a few early prototypes for the casing, and I recycled one for my project. Saved me heaps of time. Well, anyway, I said. The bottom line is Mr Bell's going to get a bit of a surprise when he arrives at Terry's and discovers he's got your machine. Serves him right for sticking his nose in our business. He did give us a tea pinch though, Danny said, hip bumping me. You have to give him that. Otherwise we'd be hauling a 500 kilo monstrosity to Brizzy right now. And I reckon Mr B would have figured that one out. An image of us trying to haul the tokamak popped into my head. Mr B inspecting the back of the Sunbeam Talbot and asking us what we've got in that big trailer. I cackled. True, I said. Maybe Mr Bell isn't such a bad egg after all. Changing the subject, I said. 
Thanks for your help too, Betty. If it wasn't for you slipping that extra block of butter into the dressing gown you loaned me, I wouldn't have been able to switch it for the ice cream. And good thinking, by the way, remembering to line the pocket with a freezer bag so the ice cream didn't seep through. Betty tried to smile, but her eyes filled with tears. I'm happy we did it. Really. It's just that I feel bad about tricking Daddy, she said, in between sniffs. Did you see his face when he realised he only had butter? The last time he looked that upset was when he set the lab on fire experimenting with a fuel made from herbs in Mommy's garden. Danny and I followed her gaze. Mr J and Bruce were shouting at each other over the roar of the engine. From what I could tell, they were bantering over Freya's top speed and who of the pair of them was the better driver. He seems to have bounced back okay, I said, brushing a wayward piece of fringe from my eyes. Besides, if he was disappointed this morning, imagine the look on his face when we surprise him today. Betty Brighton. Yes, she laughed. You sure did pull a fast one with the ice cream swap. I would never have known if I wasn't in on it. I pinged my fingers in the air and did a little victory dance in my seat. I finally got one over Mr Bell, I said. And the best thing is, I played him at his own game. He's been teaching me magic tricks for as long as I can remember. I can't believe we actually got Terry's machine to work, Danny said. I know. My stomach did a little somersault as the reality of what we'd just achieved properly hit home. Surprise, Dad. Your machine. It actually works. You did it. We did it. After all these years. And although Mr Bell says you wouldn't have wanted me to build it, I still wish you could have been here with us to see your scientific magic in action. Danny reached across me and squeezed Betty's hands. I'm sorry about your dad. I did feel bad for him earlier, especially after all the help he gave us. It's only fair he should actually get to see it in action. Definitely, I chimed in. We may still need your help though, Betty. Danny said, glancing out the back window. He'd picked up the habit of checking whether we were being followed. I squinted into the haze. There were no suspicious dust clouds or telltale glints of metal, no sign of Mr Bell or Mr Makepeace. We were getting good at this spy game. We've got to find a way of keeping your dad at a distance while we set up on stage. If he works out what we're doing too soon, he may tip off Mr Bell. I doubt he would, I said, performing a quick check on Mr. J and Bruce. They were still arguing good-naturedly and had moved on to recounting each other's disastrous decisions during some rally race in Baja. I get the feeling when it comes to mischief, Mr. J is totally corruptible. No offence, Betty. None taken, Betty said. He totally is. I bribe him all the time. Danny chewed his lip. Just in case... Betty's eyes danced. Ginger and I worked out a plan last night. If there's one thing about Daddy, it's that he's very competitive. Now he thinks you're submitting your own invention as part of the fair. He'll be wanting to make sure that his, <clears throat> I mean, my entry, is just that bit better. Yeah, I said. We're going to use our powers of persuasion to convince Mr J he ought to tuck himself away in a little corner to soup up your... What's your project again, Betty? A stapler stapler. She cast a proud glance in the direction of Mr. Jansen. 
It stimulates opposing energy fields between two pieces of paper, causing them to stick together. Awesome. So that's the plan. I turned to Danny. Are your folks coming today? Yeah, but they'll probably only just make it in time. Paul's got a swim carnival this morning. He made a massive song and dance about Mama and Papa prioritising my stuff over his. They thought they'd better stay for his first race just to keep the peace. I laughed. Ah, Paul. Whenever I feel bad about being an only child, I remind myself I could have a brother like him. Ha, yeah. Betty gave a short laugh. What about your mum? She asked. Will she be there? I swatted the question away. I heard your gong instructor comes over every Saturday morning. She'll be much too busy being self-enlightened, I expect. Besides, I added, this is Danny's day. As far as Kat knows, the only reason why I'm going is to support him on stage. She doesn't know about Terry's machine, Dr. Wilson's death. I gave an awkward laugh. Mr. Mechpiece? She doesn't know anything. Well, she'll know after today, Danny said. If we pull off this plan of yours, the whole world will know. As Danny's words sank in, an acid sensation welled under my tongue. Cat would know. She would know about you. She would know I knew. That Mr Bell knew. That the two people she had trusted most kept her in the dark about the truth behind the most traumatic event of her life. I closed my eyes. The intrepid vroom of Freya's engine vibrated behind my lids, hurling us towards our destination. I looked out the window at the billow of dust rising from the tyres, the thickening blur of bush as we drew closer to the coast. Do we have to go so fast? I called out to Bruce. He smiled at me in the rearview mirror. We do if we want to get there before Rego closes. I was just weighing up whether to use the turbo. I'll save the fuel. Hold off for now. He and Mr J exchanged a laugh, then resumed their conversation. Danny and Betty peered at me from beneath furrowed brows. I forced a smile. These rough old dirt roads, I said, pointing to the rocks and littered brush sailing under the car. They do funny things to my tummy. Betty nodded, reached into her pocket and withdrew an orange lolly wrapped in cellophane. Barley sugar? It's good for that. I unwrapped the sugary little nugget, popped it into my mouth and forced my lips into a smile. It was going to take more than a travel suite to settle the churning in my belly. Oh, Dad, I'd been so hell-bent on building your machine, on setting you free. How was it that I hadn't thought about the consequences for cats?